Somebody told me one time that uh, well, I've heard. I've actually been told this a number of times, but I remember the first time I heard it. Somebody told me that, and they were kind of ditching on the on, on church in general. And uh, and I was you know I was a pastor, so I was the most uh, likely person to hear this. And uh, they were saying how they found more fellowship term they used. They found more fellowship and, and encouragement in a bar than they would, uh, than they did in church. And um, I thought about that, and I, so that helped me to start what has been a uh, long-term experiment of hanging out in bars and finding out what they got going on. <laughs> and and uh, I know what they're talking about. And, and you know, I know some of you are thinking, well, that's because, you know, people are half in the tank or completely in the tank and there's no inhibitions. And so, and I'm sure there may be some of that going on. But, but aside from that, assuming that's not an issue, um, there is a level of authenticity that you find sitting at a bar uh, or in a, in a place like that, that that's frankly pretty rare. People talk about things they wouldn't talk about anyplace else. People open up about things they wouldn't open up about in a lot of different issues, a lot of different places and so forth. And unfortunately, or, you know, unfortunately, at the same time, what, what I want you to stop and think about today is there needs to be a, a real concerted effort on the part of church to be that comfortable place where people can come and they don't have to just try to look nice and they don't have to just be able, ready to paint over whatever's going on in their lives but it's a safe place to be able to come and just be who they are and, and what might be ever going on in their life at that particular moment. That is the theme in general that I want to speak into this morning for the few minutes that we have here together. Uh, this summer at Renaissance, we're taking different passages, Clay and I, um, from the Bible uh, that have meant a particular, that I think we think are very important to, to either us personally or just in general. From The ones that I've chosen are all that are very important to me personally. And, uh, and I'm going to show you that today. Because this is about, this is called evidences of being a follower of Christ. Um, and, uh, and it's an important issue. And, and really when I talk about evidences of being a Christ follower, there are many uses you can have for this particular kind of teaching. One, one, one use would be for you to look at others and be able to say, you know, I know so-and-so, they don't look like much of a Christian to me. They don't act like much of a Christian to me. They don't act like they're a follower of Christ. And, and you kind of use that to judge them. You could use this, what I'm going to talk about, in that way. I hope you won't. You could use this uh, maybe to compare yourself to others and see how much you don't measure up or maybe how much better you are than they are. I hope you won't do that. What I hope you will do is use this as an example to examine yourself and to ask God to help you just to be able to view what's going on with you and, and how you may uh, behave and how, what, what's going on inwardly with you that's driving the outer life. That's what I want you to do, okay? And not judge others or, or try to compare yourselves to others. Because here's the deal. All of us have this, this stereo, maybe it's the same, maybe not. All of us has a stereotype of what a, what a follower of Christ looks like and acts like. And uh, we all have, we, you know, and maybe that came from your background or, or maybe that came from your childhood and the church you went to as a kid or, or heard about if you didn't go to church. Um, and for me, it was, you know, uh, this is pretty, I'm just going to sound kind of 
kind of weird, but for, for where I, and it is weird, but for, from where I was raised in the kind of situation that I was raised in, you know, the Christians, followers of Christ, you know, you didn't smoke, um, didn't drink, um, didn't go to bars, um, and, you know, I just violated all of them, but I mean, it, 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 and, and some people still think that. Is that what it is? Or maybe it's, maybe it's you think that's one of those people that they're always at church. They always come. That, that's what a follower of Christ, they always go to church. They're always there. And every time I go to church, they're there. You know, is that, is that what it is? I want to do away with those stereotypes, okay? And I just want you to look at the Bible and see what the Bible says, uh, because that's really the only place we're really going to find answers to something as important as this. And here's what I want you to do as we go through these. I've already said it. Let me read it to you from the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 puts it like this. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of a genuine faith. Now, doing all these things doesn't make you a follower of Christ, but when you are a follower of Christ, all these things will become evident in some form or another. Not all the time, because you're not perfect. And I'll, and I'll explain that as we get there. So, we need to examine ourselves, because sometimes those of us who are followers of Christ can, will lie, you know, will lie to ourselves. We'll pretend, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I go to church, therefore I am. Well, not necessarily. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, I'm going to read to you uh, one, two, three, three different, three different brief passages of Scripture. And uh, just, just, I'm going to just make a few verbal comments, uh, verbal notes about a couple things. And then once we're, once we're through that, then I'm going to come back and just show you like six, it could be 60, it could be 600. I'm just going to show you six basic, um, basic, what I call points of light for the follower of Christ. For those of us who are followers of Christ... It's a good time to examine. Uh, but I want to say this. Maybe you're here and maybe you're not there. Maybe you say, you know what, I'm here and I'm not ready to call myself a, a believer, a, a person of faith in Christ. Well, this is a great message for you to listen to because you need to hear, not from me, but from the Bible. What, what, what one actually, a person who's truly a person of faith in Christ actually looks like, acts like, and behaves like. You need to see that from the Bible because you're not always going to see it in humans. You just aren't, because we're all, in some cases, people are, are, are fakes, and in some cases, we're just, you know, we're not all perfect. So here we go. The first passage I want you to follow along with is in Matthew chapter 5. It's from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking here to his disciples, and a whole bunch of other people start listening. And he starts off by saying, you're the light of the world, a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And, you know, one of the things sometimes we lose, I'll just, let me interject something here real quick, just for, just for fun. Um, I've been to Israel, it's been about 10 years or so, no longer than that, about 10 years. And um, you go to the sermon, where they believe the Sermon on the Mount was uh, delivered by Jesus at the Sea of Galilee. And behind is this, 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 this huge, it's really the Golan Heights, is what, if you've ever heard that in the news. And it's above there, that way, way high, you can see it, this town from everywhere. Now it's an abandoned, it's a, just ancient ruins now. But uh, you can see it from anywhere. So what, what the Lord was doing, he was saying, like a city on a hill, and he, he's probably pointing up to sh- show people the city. You can, everybody, you could see that, that city from anywhere. It's just kind of neat because he was using these object lessons. So, and, and he's saying, you know, he goes, you're the light of the world like a city on a hilltop, okay? Uh, they cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp 
and then puts it under the basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, watch this, watch this, here we go, here's our first. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let your good deeds, we'll come back to that. Now let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Here we go. He's going to talk about being bright lights again. That's why I say six points of light, okay, we're going to talk about Watch this, verse 14, Philippians chapter 2. Do everything without complaining and arguing. You're like, oh, Rich, come on. Give me a break here. Um, I didn't write it. I'm just a messenger, okay? Philippians 2. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. This writer lived in Jersey? Anyway, um, just kidding, just kidding. That's all over the world. We all know that. There's crooked and perverse people wherever you live, wherever you go. They're there. He says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining bright lights, like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of faith. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless, his work of, of, of building and pouring his life into these people, and so forth. So, that's the second passage I want you to see. Third one comes from Ephesians 4. We're kind of, we're going through the book of Ephesians on our Thursday night group, which is just a great time. It's a little crazy sometimes, by the way. Um, when Rich has to tell people to settle down, it's getting crazy, okay? But it's, it's a lot of fun, and we're, uh, every other Thursday night we do... We do Ephesians, and the other Thursday nights we do this book called, um, that's in the back, in the back library, it's uh, um, Steering Through the Chaos, which is, it, it's a book that compares the seven deadly sins to the Beatitudes. Interesting stuff. Great book. Anyway, um, we were talking about, if, it, some, if you come to that, you'll recognize some of these verses, because we talked about this, this last Thursday night. So Ephesians chapter 4. That's not what you learned about Christ. He'll explain that. Verse 21, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Lust can be just the desire for anything, the, 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 just, a, a, just a, a prolonged, um, almost obsessive desire for anything. Might be, you know, we always think of it in terms of sexual lust. It could be material. In fact, it often is, actually, material stuff. You can lust after a car, just like you can a person of the opposite sex, or golf clubs, or oh, enough about my problems. Anyway, um, <laughs> we'll move on. Um, so he says, he says, he goes on, he says, throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature, Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. People we live, live you know, there's people, that's our neighbors. It might be people, we, our family, people we live with and around. Let us, tell, let, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Verse 29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement 
to those who hear them. So there you go. Those are a couple of passages from the Bible. Let me just go back through them very quickly. and Just pull out six things very quickly. Six things we talk about the kind of behavior that's going to result in a person who is a person of faith in Christ and how that's going to look and why they're going to be different. The first one is good deeds. You go all the way back to, to uh, when I read earlier, Ephesians, excuse me, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You're a light of the world, like a city on the hilltop. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. We don't do good deeds just to do good deeds. We don't do good deeds just to get credit for doing good deeds. We do it because it's the natural outgrowth of who we are as Christ works in our lives. Let me tell you what it's not. Okay, it's always good. You know, it's easy to define things sometimes when you tell you, when you tell you what's not. The other day, I was going into the bagel store because I was getting a bagel because I was going to go play golf. The, oh, it was only the second or third time I played golf this summer, I think. <laughs> Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, I lied. It was not. Uh, anyway, I stopped in, uh, in to, to get a bagel, and... Um, there's this lady, I kind of I had to go on my way to do this because I was already in the store and stuff, but there was some lady coming out that had just kind of, you know, a whole bunch, I don't know who the heck she was feeding a football team or something because she had like three or four huge bags of bagels. And so I just quickly went out of my way to do this. Want you to, did you hear that? I went out of my way to do this and, and, and grabbed the door and opened the door for her. I didn't get a look. I didn't get a thank you. I didn't get a smile. I didn't get a... I didn't, get, I didn't get a kiss my foot, kiss my, I didn't get anything. So, I said, you're welcome. <laughs> that is not an act of, of, of kindness, okay? I want you to, that's not a good deed. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, we don't do it to hear somebody, I'm not proud of that. I need to confess to somebody, so you're my, you're, you're my confessors, okay? Um, but we do say, you know, we, we, you know, when we talk about good deeds, it's because we do it not to receive something, not because we're going to get this, or we do it because it honors the God whom we serve. That's all. And you may not get a, you may not get a thank you. You may not get a anything, but that's not why you're doing it, is it? And that's hard sometimes. I mean, it's hard, particularly when you start going even further than something like that, when it's with people who you live with and who you love and who you're in your family and so forth, and you give and you give and you give and you give, and, and you don't get a thank you. And you don't even get a kiss my foot. You don't get anything. That's the issue here. He's saying, you're the light of the world, like a city in a hilltop, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Not because you're such a great person, not because you're a nice guy or a great lady, but because you serve God Almighty and the love of Christ. That's why. Don't miss that, all right? Don't miss that. Second thing. Remember Philippians 2? I read it. And when it says, live clean, innocent lives, shining like bright lights. Second point of light is just a positive attitude. You say, really? Just a positive attitude? Isn't that a personality? Look what he says. Let's go back. Philippians chapter 2. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Now, let me break that down for you. Let me, you know what the original says? The original Greek says on that passage? Do everything without complaining and arguing. That's the original. You know. 
I mean, there's just a whole lot of ways you can, you don't have to parse that verb. There's not a whole lot of things you can say with that. He says, come on, don't be a whiner. Isn't it interesting that we live in a world, really, nobody likes a whiner, do we? And we don't say, well, the Bible says you shouldn't whine, therefore I don't like you. you it's just, it's just annoying. You just don't like it. It doesn't sound, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. It's just yucky, you know? Good word for you there, yucky. Um, the point that he's making here, he says, do, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. And then he says, so you can live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights. You're going to stand out because you don't whine and complain. And, and I want to tell you, I, I don't know how to say this in a nice way, so I'm going to say it anyway. Um, it's really a good thing. We live, if you're great on the curve, we live, in, we live in a great part of the world where you don't have to do much to shine, you know? You don't have to do too many good deeds. You don't have to hold too many doors open because not many people do that. And, and you could stand out very quickly. And you don't stand out just to stand out. You stand out because of who you represent, God Almighty. And it's really, it just, it's just some simple things that we think about it. But we do it because of who Christ is, not because of who I am. Positive attitude. There it is. No complaining and arguing. I mean, that's just amazing. That's in the Bible, isn't it? Wow. So, good deeds, positive attitude. Third thing, anger free. Anger free. Look what he says back to Ephesians 4 26. And don't sin by letting anger control you. You know? Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for angry gives a foothold to the devil. Anger has many faces, and you know that. And sometimes it's deserved anger, we think, because of what that person did to us. And maybe I was abused. Maybe I was molested. Maybe I was treated horribly. And I'm angry about that. At some level, we have to stop and recognize this thing that was done to me is going to have a double whammy if I don't deal with it. Because not only was it done to me and it was wrong and it was horrible, but it, it, it's, it's even more horrible because I refuse to deal with that anger that has settled in into my life. And that's where it becomes a real issue. One of the seven, as I told you about that book we're doing Thursday night, it talked about one of the seven deadly sins of anger. And, and it, it's interesting, it gives you different readings about, about anger and then the readings about the opposite or the antidote, if you will, uh, for anger. And you know what it is? Forgiveness. Not always easy. I, I honestly don't believe you can always forgive um, if you don't have the power of God in you for some things. I, I just don't think you can. I mean, I don't have that kind of goodness in me. And I don't know anybody that does. That's why, that's why Jesus came, to give us that ability, particularly those things that are just so, so awful. The fourth one's a pretty simple point of light, integrity. Ephesians 4.25, stop telling lies. And if you're a thief, quit stealing. Just, just have integrity. So that when you speak, people don't say, well, I don't know. I don't know if that's him talking or if that's the liquor talking or if that's the salesman talking or if that's something else talking. You know, just tell the truth. Just tell the truth. And, and certainly we want to season our words with, with salt, and we want, to, we want to be positive as we can, but we, we tell the truth. 
You know, and there's a way we can do that. That's 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 a, that's a good way. That doesn't mean we are painfully blunt and 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 try to hurt people with the truth because that's the exact opposite of what we're talking about. But we still have to just tell the truth. Uh, the fifth thing is just being generous. Verse 28, and then give generously to the needy, those that others in need. One of the results of a person who is a person of faith is that they're going to be generous because they're going to realize whether we're talking about their time or whether we're talking about their money, none of it is mine. The time that I have on this earth is given to me by whom? By God. Whatever money I might have has been given to me by whom? God. It's not mine. It's God's. And, uh, you know, the, the, the sooner we understand that, the better we're going to be, and we won't start getting selfish and, oh, this is mine. I worked hard. Look what all I have. I worked hard for it. Well, bucko, there's a lot of people that work just as hard as you that don't have as much as you have. What does that mean? That means that somebody else has got things going on here. It's God. And we understand that generosity is something that just flows out of us, whether it be our finances or whether it be our time or whether it be the gifts and talents that God has given us. Let me give you the last thing very quickly. One of the point, sixth point of light for these people with, that have this evidence of, of their faith, they're encouragers. Gosh, there's no... Maybe, maybe every minister of every generation has said this, I don't know, but there's never been a more important time for people to be encouraged than the times in which we live. Verse 29 of Ephesians 4 puts it this way, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Then he goes on. Now, here's an interesting verse because people take this and they say, Don't use foul or abusive language. Does that mean, that talk, what's that talking about? Talking about, talking about cursing here? Uh, we're talking about, I mean, we, we have other verses that tell us we shouldn't blaspheme the name of God. We shouldn't use the Lord's name in vain. That's pretty clear. But what about other words? I mean, God knows I'm no saint with this. I'm, no, I'm not perfect. You know this. Comes out up here sometimes. Um, so, so he, I met a guy. I met, I met a guy in, uh, in when, I was in, when we were living in D.C. and uh, we were met him in church, and we got to talking about you know being a, being a follower of Christ, and he's talking about his where he, he was from another another part of the world, and he's telling me it was a funny story actually. He's talking about how when he first moved to uh, uh, America and, and got going to this church that, that he was in, um, and I was at at the time. Um, he said, I, I, we would use, where I come from, hang on with me, okay, I'm not going to use the word, I'm going to abbreviate it. Uh, but he said, we would freely, openly, and socially, in the circles that I traveled in, and in the church that I went to, which was a, a Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church, we would use the F-bomb. No big deal. That was just part of the culture. And it was just one of those things you did. You know, hey, well, what the, you know, you know okay, okay, well, you know, whatever. And he says, I came here, and I was at a church fellowship, and I said, hey, what the, you know. <laughs> and he said, everybody looked at me. <laughs> I said, yeah, that would happen. That would happen in just about any church that I know of. So, so do, we, do we determine whether these, these, these foul and abusive words, do we, uh, is that determined by the culture in which we live? Now, honestly, there are, obviously, we, there are certain things that are socially acceptable. I understand that. But does that mean it's Bible? It's a sin, therefore, if we do something socially, use a word that may not be accepted in a particular culture, but might be accepted in another culture? Is that what it's talking about? That's not what it's talking about. 
and we need to determine in our own heart and lives with those around us what is socially acceptable or not and so forth where we live now. But but what, what this verse is talking about is the content of our words. Because look, look how he words it in this verse. Don't use foul or abusive language. Okay, what does that mean? Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Let me put it to you this way. I know some people who would never use a four-letter word. They would never say certain words. They would never say a word, an inappropriate word. I started to just give you a string of a few, but I won't. Um, we have kids present. And, uh, I, know, I know some people who would never use inappropriate words. Have some of the most corrupt speech I've ever heard in my life. Because they're running people down all the time. Not using four-letter words. Not using anything that would ever be considered a curse word. Not even saying crap, you know? But just run people down. That's what this verse is talking about. You know, and that's the issue here. And they get all upset because somebody uses a curse word. And a couple of times I've said, you know, I don't know about their curse words, but you got some of the worst content I've ever heard. Running somebody down. That's what Ephesians is. That's what, that's what this is about here. You know, let your words be an encouragement to those who hear them. It's an important issue. You work out the other details on your own. But the Bible's pretty clear about this. So here's the thing. Good deeds, positive attitude, anger-free, integrity, generous, encourager. Look, you can do some form of these things and, and never really even be a person of faith in Christ. But that's not what he's talking about. He's saying the genuine, the genuine points of light the genuine qualities here come out, of a, come out naturally out of a person who has a relationship with God through Jesus. And when we come to the cross and we say, Lord, I want to I put my trust in who you are and what you've done for me, it changes not only our eternal destination, but it changes our lives. It changes our deeds, it changes our attitude, it changes anger issues, it changes integrity, it changes generosity affects our words to be encouraging. Let me show you one last thing. I want to just wrap it up. I'm going to sum it up just with some words from the Bible. It's from the same passage we were reading from in Ephesians chapter 4. And these, every time I read these words, it just touches something special inside of me. Because I don't... Well, let me read it to you and I'll explain why. Verse 30, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. You know, I don't want to bring sorrow to my wife because I love her so much. I don't want to bring sorrow to my family because they're my family and I love them. And even more so, I don't want to bring sorrow to God because he loved me so much that he gave his life for me. And however, I can do it in my own very, very imperfect way. I want to bring, I want him to look at my life and say, you're not bringing me sorrow. You're bringing me joy. 
That's what he's talking about here. That's why he says that in the next verse, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. I don't believe we can get rid of all that bitterness and rage and anger. I don't believe we can get rid of all that outside of having a relationship with the Lord God Almighty through Christ. That's why he came. And when he comes, our lives, when we understand who he is and what he's done, our lives change. These points of light and many others become a part of who we are. Let's pray together. Lord God, we, we, I, I just thank you that you love us this much and care for us and forgive us the way that you do. God, I pray that we would live our lives in a way that would not bring sorrow to you, but that would bring you joy. We thank you for Jesus and that he came and lived and suffered and died and and rose again to give us the ability to have a relationship with you and that certainly our eternal destination would change, but also how we live our lives would be affected every day. So we thank you for that, and we thank you for your love and your grace and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.